I looked at his eyes and I saw uh, fire in his eyes. But that fire was not just standing there. It's almost as if he was turning into liquid fire. Mm. And that liquid love, okay, that liquid fire was translating in me like love. It's almost as if like he was pouring out of his love and through his eyes, that thing was coming into me. And whatever void that I was trying to fill for years with men, with parties, with education, with whatever, that moment when his eyes were gazing upon me, those voids were being filled. My name is Ines, Ines Toto Furume. Well, now that I'm married, I'm Ines Furume Mangala. I'm originally from the Democratic, Democratic Republic of Congo. It's all the way in Africa. I am second of a family of 10 kids. I grew up in a religious family, but I didn't have that personal encounter with the Lord. Mm. So I was religious because I was going to church. I was religious because I heard about God and I knew God was there. Christ was alive, but I didn't have any relationship with Him. Wow. Everything that I was doing, it was almost as if I was doing it by protocol, not by personal revelation. Then I moved here in 2008, and the rest is history. It's part of my story, and hopefully I'm going to share a little bit now. Yeah, Uh Ines, I've, I've gotten a pleasure to record you on my podcast, and you have a beautiful, powerful testimony. So let's, I just want to give you the floor. Start from, okay. from the start. I know you had a couple encounters from the beginning. Um, so just take us through it. Yeah. So as I told you guys, I grew up in a religious family. My mom was a believer. So was my dad and the whole family. But something that I realized with me growing up is that I always had this encounter. Every single time, whether it's when I'm sleeping or when I'm awake, there's this being that'll come to me and would take me places, different places, whether it's hell, whether it's heaven, or different places, houses and stuff, and he will show me things. He will always come and tell me, come with me to work, come work with me, and he will take me places, and he will start explaining to me, this person, this is the situation that they are going through. This person, and he will just start breaking things down to me, and then I remember one day, he gave me a word for my mom. Now I can say a word because I understand the language. But back then, he just gave me, he just shared something with me concerning my mom. And he said, tell your mom that tomorrow at this time, at such and such time, uh, there'll be a fire in what we call uh, the electrical cabin, cabinet or cabin. And he said, there'll be fire there, so she has to be careful. And then he gave me instruction. And I told him, I was like, okay, I'm going to go tell it to my mom. But what if he asked me, what if she asked me, who told you that? What am I going to say? He looked at me and he said, just tell him your friend. And I was like, what do you mean my friend? Like, you don't have a name or something? He said, no, just tell, tell him my friend. And I remember whenever I woke up, I rushed to my mom and I had the habit of doing it every single night to wake up in the middle of the night and say, mom, I just had a dream. This is what about to happen. This is this is this was the cause of what happened and this and that. So I went to my mom and I was like, oh, so this person came to me and told me you have to be watchful. This is what's gonna happen tomorrow. And she was like, who told you? I was like, he said his name is my friend. Mm. And she just looked at me and was like, okay, mind you, we were religious. We were not Christian per se. So the language of Christianity, we didn't really understand it. You know, 
but we knew the language of religiosity. And those kind of encounters kept on, kept on coming, the more I was growing. But because I didn't have the spiritual maturity at that time, and because no one was teaching me those stuff, uh, I'll just go to anyone and anywhere and just tell them, oh, this is what, it, what is about to happen. This is this situation. And people started finding me weird. Mm. They're like, she's probably crazy. Yeah. This girl is crazy. And the enemy used those judgments to put a seed of fear inside of me. I'm, I'm even going to say a seed of rejection in me because yeah. I started thinking to myself, I'm weird. I'm not normal. A normal person can't see the stuff. A normal person can tell the fu- can't tell the future. A normal person can have those kind of encounter. Mm. It really felt to me as if I was by myself with this encounter and no one to explain it to me, not even my mom. And it got to a point where I was like, yes, they are right. That's not normal. So when my friend will come to me and say, come, let me take you to this place. Let me show you this. Let me show you this and that. I just, I remember one day I was so upset because of, I just felt the pressure of that judgment. And I told him, I said, you know what? Next time, if you want to come to me and show me anything, whether in heaven or hell or whatever the place, make sure you do it when everyone is here. Because I don't want to be called the crazy one. I don't want to be called the weird person. I don't want to be the weird friend, the weird sister, the weird weird daughter. Next time, if you want to do it, make sure you do it when everyone is there. At that moment, I stopped having encounters. And I switched into having like full dream, like very descriptive dream. Now, before you get to the, to, to that part, uh-huh. when it came to this this friend, did, did you know who was this friend? Or can no. you clarify even to the audience yeah. who this friend was? Did I know who was that friend? No, but I, know, I knew something about that friend. He carried peace. Whenever he'll come and I'll have those encounters, it's almost as if like I've always known him because he carried so much peace, so much love with him that I felt so comfortable. Even at that young age, I felt comfortable being around him. Mm. But whenever I'll, I'll leave that state of encounter, I won't even remember his face. If you ask me today, what color was his skin color? I don't know. How was his face? Can you describe the features? I can't tell you. It's just, it's almost as if like whenever I get to that state of encounter, I can fully see him and be comfortable around him. But when I leave that state, I just can't remember. All I remember is light. Mm. I just remember light. That being is like, is like light. And again, I t- as I told you guys, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't understand the Christian language or even the language of spirituality. For me, it's just that person before before uh, getting caught in that get, getting caught in that cycle of judgment. For me, it was like, okay, that's my friend coming to me. He said his name is my friend, so that's my friend coming to me, and I always get excited. He would take me to different places. How we were traveling there, I can't explain to what you. What was one of the most like uh, uh, vivid encounters that you had with, with him? that friend? Yeah. Okay, so um, and and even before we do that, just to clarify, when you look uh-huh. back. Do you see this friend as an angel, as Jesus? Do you just kind of leave it in the unknown? Like, um, Sometimes I leave it at the unknown, but after I had the encounter that really shifted my life, I really... I would really say that that was the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, we'll get there. So, so, so what was uh, one, one, one of the most vivid encounters that you had okay, with Okay, I'm going to share two encounters. Okay. One of them, the good one, 
was he took me to a place. I can't tell if that was heaven or that was a place where everything was perfect, but he took me to a place and walked me through the streets of that place just to show me different mansions, different houses that were being built. Mm. And those houses were not yet finished. I don't know. At that moment, I didn't know why. He was just showing me, oh, you see this house? It's not yet finished. You see this other one? This is how it's going to end up looking. And he was just explaining things to me. I was so young, so I was just, oh, okay. But why is all the houses around here not finished? He would just tell me because it's still being built. Mm. So he explained those stuff to me. One of the bad encounters that I had was I lost a certain cousin when I was young. And somehow I think my family was just wondering, asking questions, what happened to that cousin? And like all the questions around the death of my cousin. I remember that friend came and took me. And he took me, the Holy Spirit just reminded me another story now. He took me uh, to that place and he told me, this is what caused uh, your cousin's death. Mm. And this is where your cousin is right now. I remember coming, when, whenever I came out of that encounter, I went to my mom and I told my mom, I was like, you see what happened to cousin John Doak? Well, on this day, this family member offered her as a sacrifice to this and this, this deity. Oh, wow. And this is what caused this. Right now, spiritually, this is where that person is found. And I gave the full explanation. Again, my mom looked at me and I think she was just confused. Like she's a young girl, but she's giving like information yeah. that are above her age. And that was it. I remember another story was one of our neighbor. I think the first child um, lost her, she lost her mind. And, and I turned to my mom at that moment because I heard something in my spirit. I turned to my mom and I was like, no, you know what? She lost her mind. She opened a room in their house that she was not supposed to open. Wow. That's why whatever she saw, that thing kind of triggered something in her mind. And I gave the full explanation. There are so many stories. Yeah, let's, let's keep going. So, but it, mm-hmm. you got to a point where uh, uh, everybody was, was judging you and, and nobody essentially was believing because mm-hmm. they couldn't see what you were seeing. Mm-hmm. So you moved away and then you said you started to move into... Yes, I moved away. I stopped having like those vivid encounter, encounters and I started dreaming a lot. And back then it wasn't, this was more like physical? Yes. It was all physical encounters? For me, it was physical encounters where I would see the person the way I'm seeing you. Yeah. And I don't know, it's like, I just get to a place where I'll see him, I'll hear him clearly. Wow. And he'll show me stuff. Okay. And he'll take me into vision. But I I was so young, I didn't know those were visions. Right. For me, it's like just us going somewhere. Right. Because he'll literally tell me, come with me. So when I started dreaming a lot... One of the things that I didn't realize I opened a door to was demonic encounters. It's like I pushed my friend away from me and I just welcomed demonic encounter. I started being oppressed by the enemy. The whatever the angel or the Holy Spirit or whatever the being that I was seeing, my friend that I used to see, I stopped seeing him. Now I started seeing demons. Mm-hmm. And I was vividly seeing them. When I say vividly, it was like vividly seeing them. And growing up in Africa, sometimes at night I'll be sleeping and I'm looking at the window. You can literally see like a shape, the shape of a snake crawling on the window, trying to force his way in the room. Or sometimes you will hear cats crying outside of your window and they're just crying like babies. 
And I remember I'll just scream, scream the name of Jesus with no revelation, but at least I knew the name. Yeah. I'll just scream the name of Jesus and call on my mom like, come. And when she comes, she'll ask me what's wrong. And I'll tell her, no, there are some cats outside that are screaming and I'm seeing this. It's like, I literally felt like I was going crazy because I was the only person seeing these things. And I got mad at God because I was like, it's all your fault. It's because of you that I'm not having all these demonic encounters. Like, going to bed and feel like just having like a sleep paralysis, like your whole body can't move. You can't say the name of Jesus. It's like you just feel like somebody's choking you. Wow. And How old were you at that time? Uh, I was under 10. I so so you were having, let's say, the, the more peaceful encounters from what age to what age? Um, as far as I remember, wow. I'll probably stay five all the way to 11, wow. somewhere there. Yeah. 10, 11. So... I got mad at God because I was like, this is your fault. I have people calling me crazy and I have like this. And those demons, I didn't call them demons. I was just calling them like those black black beings. Like you can't see them, but it's like a dark shadow that has so much fear, so much terror in it, which was the, the, whole, op- the whole opposite right. of that friend that was coming. But whenever the atmosphere sh- uh, shifted to that, you can sense it. It's like, you just feel like you are afraid, you are scared, but you can't explain, you can't put it to words because it's just a shadow. You just feel that shadow. It's almost as if it was hovering all around me. Yeah. And I got mad at God. I was like, it's your fault. You know what? I don't want to deal with you anymore. If it's going to take me losing my friends, I don't want to deal with you. If it's going to take me being bullied by these uh, dark shadows, I'm not, I am not. I don't want to deal with you. And the more I was saying that's the more I was being oppressed. Wow. What I didn't realize is that I was just like rejecting the presence of God. I was rejecting the love of God and opening myself spiritually to whatever that will come and what came was the oppression and I was oppressed for all those years and because I was oppressed I started turning into anything but God turning to men turning to parties turning to anything but God my mom started paying me to go to church she literally paid me money so I can go to church and when I go to church I'll sit in the sanctuary and just fall asleep the whole service Mm. and I'll wake up after service and it just happened that the Lord opened the door for America for us and then we came here in America my first year was very it was anything but godly and I remember that that the, the first two years actually my first year when I moved here I had a dream probably the most vivid dream I've had about hell and condemnation. And in that dream, I saw myself standing in a hallway. And I was standing almost as if I was waiting for my turn. But on the other side, I saw a group of shadows or whatever beings in, uh, like dressed in black. And I was looking at them and I was like, all I knew, I didn't know them, but all I knew is that I didn't want to be caught by them. So whenever they'll come, I'll be partying with, with my friend, with few of my friends. And whenever I'll see them coming closer to me, I'll pretend to pray. The thing happened once, twice, and the third time I was distracted, they caught me. And when they caught me, they say, we've been following you ever since you were in your mother's womb. Now we have you. And the terror in their voice, even the feeling of condemnation and judgment in the atmosphere, I was like, I'm sorry, this time I'm going to get serious with the Lord. I'm I'm just going to get serious with the Lord. Please give me another chance. They say, no, 
We gave you a lot of chance ever since you were a child. This time we have you and we are taking you. And they took me by my, by my, by my arm, like holding my shoulder, and took me in a hallway. Whatever was happening in that hallway, I knew I didn't want to be there because I was hearing screams, people screaming. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to get right. I'm going to get correct. And the mistake I made is that I was saying sorry to them instead of just me turning to God and say, mm. God, do this. And I'm screaming, I'm sorry, guys. I'm gonna. They're like, no, we've been watching you, following you for years. Wow. Now we have you. We can't let you go. And as they are taking me through that hallway, the heat started heating, uh, started like reflecting in the room or coming in the where we were, like in the hallway. And I'm like, no, I don't know what's going on there, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to end up there. And as they are taking me, we stopped before, uh, in front of the door, right before I, I entered that place. And I look around, there were people screaming. There is no fire, but people are burning. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what was causing the, that fire feeling or that heat sensation, but people were just burning and suffering, screaming for mercy. And I'm like, I don't want to end up there. I don't want to be there. And I look on the side, I see one of my friends who is now deceased, and I see him attached, and he's screaming, like asking for, for forgiveness, asking. And I'm looking, I'm like, that's my friend. And they're like, yeah, that's where you are going. That's where you're going to end wow. up. And I'm screaming and crying. And then it just hits my, my, my head. It hits me, and I'm like, pretending to pray. And they're like, you're not praying out of faith. You're not praying out of faith. And I'm like, okay, let me worship. So I started worshiping this old, old Pentecostal song from my country. And I started singing the song. The second I started singing the song, I jumped from my bed in the physical. I literally jumped from my bed and my whole body was wet. My whole body was wet. I was shaking, I was on the floor. It's almost as if I saw a ghost, a ghost. Like you see how we see in movies when somebody see a ghost, that's how I was, because I was like, I was afraid, I was frightened. I'm like, whatever the place I came from, I don't want to end up there ever in my life. Yeah. So after that encounter, I told myself, I'm going to get right with God, I'm going to change, but it wasn't the case. I went back to my old life. And then I met this man, I was like, yes, I'm going to date this person. And this, whatever happened is that the man that I wanted to date at that time, somebody else was interested in that man. And what happened, she was from a certain country in Africa. It's called, uh, it's called Benin. And she was the granddaughter of a voodoo priest. Wow. I did not know that. Mm. So because she got so jealous, she was like, oh, since I can't have this man, I'm gonna sign a I'm gonna sign a covenant. I'm gonna get into a covenant with the devil and I'm gonna destroy your life. And I told myself, with the leader that I knew about God, I told myself, you're not gonna do anything to me. You see, you see what God will do to you. And she communicated this to you? Yes. Oh wow. Like oh, she yeah. called you up and she was like that girl will call me. She'll send me if I still have those emails. She'll oh, wow. call me. She'll send me emails. She'll get into my social media. She she just went full whatever, full mm. commando on me spiritually. Wow. And I was just talking and I'm like, You're not gonna do anything to me, you see, and stuff. And one day I was like, Let me go see that guy in New York. I packed my stuff. Mind you, I was new in America, I was probably a year or two in America. I packed my stuff, uh, went to New York by bus. It was during the winter. 
Okay, side note, I didn't know New York was that cold during the winter. So I was wearing my little dress, my high heels, got into the bus, went to New York. And once I was in New York, she, actually on the bus in New Jersey, her grandmother texted me, or however she did it, she did that. She sent me a message and she was like, where you are going, you're gonna be invisible. And I told myself, what do you mean you're gonna be invisible? Like, who does she think she is? She thinks this is a movie, like, because I didn't take spirituality that serious though. I didn't know that those stuff are real. Witchcraft is real. The occult Even is though real. you were experiencing all yeah. of this stuff, yeah. <laughs> no, but because I already put myself in a state of mind that these things are for crazy people. Mm. So I literally put myself in a state of denial. Yeah. And I went to New York just as she said. Uh, I remember I got off on East Street, Chinatown, New York. And yeah, I've never been there ever since. <laughs> I got down there, I called a taxi. There were like a lineup of taxi that were waiting there. I reached out to the uh, a taxi, one of the yellow cab that were there, and I told him, can you take me to this address? The taxi man was like, the address doesn't exist. And I asked him, what do you mean the, ta the, the, the it doesn't exist? This is, and I lied. I was like, this is my cousin's address. What do you mean? He's like, I can't take you there because it doesn't exist. So I stayed at that place, reached out to that person. I was unable to reach him and I called 911. I called the New York 911. I was like, yes, I'm in New York. I'm from Virginia. I'm lost. Can you guys come and pick me up? They're like, mom, we don't do that. Just get a taxi and go where you are going. I was like, I can't find my way. They're like, okay, let, let's send um, a cop to pick you up and then you come here and then we can figure it out. They send the first cup. It didn't happen. They, sec they send the second one. On the third one, I called them. I was like, but you guys are not sending anyone. I, I got to New York at 11 p.m. It was probably 1 a.m. or something. I'm like, you guys didn't send anyone. I'm extremely cold and I don't know what to do. They're like, we sent three cars and no one saw you where you were supposed to be. And I started thinking to myself, am I going crazy? What's happening? And I looked in the middle of the road, I saw a group of policemen standing there. So I walked to them and I told them, I'm looking for this address, I, I, I'm lost and stuff. And them having probably some of the latest uh, technology when it comes to finding or GPS, finding people and stuff, they asked me for the name, for the address for them to research. They put the address on, the, on their GPS or whatever they're researching material. They put the address there and they're like, that's the police station address. And I'm thinking to myself, now I'm definitely crazy. I was like, okay, and they say, Do you, can you give us the name so we can narrow it by name? I gave them the name of the person and they're like, no, this person was dead in 1980 something. Hmm. I was like, what do you mean this person is dead? I spoke to that person today a few minutes. They're like, no, the only person with that name in this country was dead years ago. At that moment, I'm standing there and I'm confused. And for the first time, and I went back to the uh, bus place for the first time in a long time. I was like, God, I need your help. If you don't help me, I'm going to die here because I'm extremely cold. My nose was running. I didn't have any jacket and stuff. I was just wearing this little cute dress because I was going to see my boyfriend. <laughs> and as I was crying to the Lord at that moment, this yellow cab came and stopped before me. And I look into the car, an Asian man. And the second he looked at me and smiled, I just, I just had that feeling of familiarity. I'm like, 
have have experienced this atmosphere before. Mm. That feeling of peace and love, it's not foreign to me. And I'm looking at the person, I'm like, nope, this is an angel. And he's looking at me and he, the first thing he tells me is like, get into the car, I know where you are going. And I'm looking at him in my mind, I'm like, nah, this is God with these things. Come on, God. I told you I don't want this kind of like extreme, dramatic, like entrance. <laughs> like, come on. And, <laughs> and the guy is looking at me. He comes down. He knew I was a bit reluctant. So he comes down of, out of the car. Asian man. Okay. Are there any Asian angel? I can't confirm that. But I'm just telling you guys my story. He comes out of the car, take my suitcase, put it in the trunk of his car, and then escort me on the other side, the front seat. Mind you, when you take a cab, you usually sit in the back, but I was sitting in the front seat with him. So I sat in the front seat and, it's, and he gave me the full address. Uh, drivers in New York, prophetic, I can't tell you, but that's what was happening to me. And he's like, this is where you are going. This is the address and I'm gonna take you there. And I'm sitting in the car. They usually have like their ID on the um, front yeah. of the car. And I'm looking at the ID. There is an ID with an address. And I'm looking at the person, I'm like, nah, this is not a human, but I just can't prove it. And every time I think that's in my mind, you look at me and smile. And I'm like, come on, this is not a human. And the guy, the, the, the Asian uh, taxi driver, just went on on my life. He was like, you are a young girl. You shouldn't be doing that. And the more he was like, now I can I can tell that he was giving me word of knowledge. But back then I didn't know what word of knowledge were. I just felt like the guy knew me and he's giving me all this detail about my life, what I should stop, what I shouldn't do. And in my mind the whole time I'm like, come on God, this is a bit too much. A driver, really? And he took me to where I was going and he asked me, do you have money with you? And I lied. I was like, no, I don't have money. He's like, that's fine. He gave me money. He's the driver. I'm supposed to pay him, but he gave right. me money. He's like, take this money. Uh, where you are, this is where you are going, but it's getting late. I want you to go sit at the McDonald's. There is a computer there. Reach out to your family. Reach out to wherever you need to reach out to eat and rest there. In the morning, you can go back to where you, you are. You can continue your road. And he gave me a $20 bill. Escorted me inside of the McDonald's. And before leaving, he gave me a paper with his number. He said, call me. If you need anything, just call this number and I'm going to be there. I'm here with you. Now, years after, I understood that he was just quoting the book of Jeremiah. Hmm. Call upon me when God said to call upon him. And I'm like... What kind of, uh, is, are they, is, is it how all the drivers are in New York? Because I'm like, something is happening and I can't put my finger on. Yeah. And I didn't have any knowledge. I didn't have any understanding. But it's like, nah, this is not any, that, this is not normal. And I got inside of the McDonald's. He called me again. He said, Ines, if you need anything, call this number and I'm going to be here. It's 2 a.m. at night. How, what do you mean you are going to be here? And he said, in the morning, when it's time for you to go, call me. I'm going to tell you how to uh, take the train all the way to where you need to take the bus. So I get inside the McDonald's, buy the food, go sit where there, were, there was like computers, like almost like a internet place. And I reach out to my family and all, all those kind of stuff. And that was one of the encounters that really like marked me. And I was like, there's something happening with my life. I can't really put my finger on, but mm. there is just something weird. Fast forward to um, years after, like I just felt like depression and all those things were just coming after me. 
with the, whatever situation that happened with the, with the girl from Benin, uh, I was like, God. And at first I used to pray like, God, kill this girl, kill this girl, God, kill this girl, kill the grandmother. And then somehow, some way, I just felt compassion came into my heart. Instead of me praying for them to die, I started praying like, God, let your mercy be extended. Because, hey, the word of God says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And I was like, God, I just started praying for mercy. I was like, God, maybe they didn't know better. Culturally, that's the only spirituality they were exposed to. Hmm. So they didn't really grow up with the same privilege that many Christians grew up with around the world. God, have mercy. And I started praying that prayer. What I did not know is that as I was praying those prayers, God was dealing with them. And one mm. day I got this email, which I still have now. I got this email from this girl and she was like, I'm just reaching out to you to say that I was, I'm sorry. Wow. And I'm reading that after two years of oppressing me, like getting everyone around me run away from me, because we, I, I was having like this in Canada. I'll sit at home and a cat will appear in America. It's not, this is not Africa, this is America. A cat will appear in the living room and I'm screaming for my life. I'll be, it's just weird stuff. Mm. So she sent me this email and, and she said, just to let you know, my grandma passed away. And before passing away, she said, okay, back home in Africa, we really value the last word of the disease, whatever last word that they say, mm. the last wish. And she said her last word was, tell that girl Ines that God is with her wow. and that God loves her. And that was her last word. And that moment, I know we are not supposed to celebrate when somebody died, but at that moment, for me, it felt like a relief because I was oppressed from all corners. corners, And I felt like my back was just against the wall and no one was on, was on my side because people just felt like I was just doing too much, which I wasn't even doing too much because those, those stuff came to me. Hmm. I didn't even seek it. That's what I thought. But I opened myself to those stuff. And she came to me and then she confessed, she shared her whole testimony of, she just said that, I don't know what happened to me, but I just felt like I hated you. And I did a pact with the devil. I literally sold my soul just to see you destroyed. Wow. But what I didn't know is that this became a, a, an opportunity for me to meet the Lord because somewhere along the line of me oppressing you and coming after you with witchcraft and stuff, two people knock on my door. They knock on my door and share the gospel with me. I just heard them and then closed the door. But that day I stayed in the house, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep and I kept hearing, you will not find peace until you give your life to Christ. And I gave my life to Christ. I got into a coma for more than seven days Whoa. because of the covenant in which I was until the Lord delivered me and I've turned my back from all those stuff. So she shared her whole testimony. And when I read that testimony, it started clicking in my head. I was like, what if God actually loves me? What if whatever encounter I was having, it's actually real? And I started asking questions. And thank be to God, at that moment, my mom also started growing in her relationship with God. So she had better words to explain spirituality to us. She had better um, evidence to back up whatever she was telling us about spirituality. Uh, she called me one day and she was like, oh, you know, there is um, this pastor, Pastor Shekinah. He used to be a pastor back home. Well, he's now on social media. That was back when social media was like 
growing in Africa and stuff. He's now on social media. Reach out to him. Just ask him how he's doing and stuff. I think she probably had a plan. She knew that that was a bit for me. So I was mm. like, okay, I'll try. But because I was so oppressed, like literally, I was broke. I was going to school. I was by myself because all my siblings moved to another state. And at um, this point, how old are you? Uh, 20, I think I was in my 20s, 20 something. I was just oppressed. And I remember sometimes I would hear voices telling me just jump from the highway because I used to walk long distance to get from work to school, from school to home and stuff. And I would, I would just hear voices because my spirit is so open and so open to spirituality. And I'll just hear voices, just jump from the highway and you're gonna stop all this. You're just gonna stop all this trouble. Like you won't have to work for an hour to go to work or go to school or go home. Mm. You won't have to, to, to get yourself wet walking on the highway. Because I wasn't working, you know the road around here. I'm, I wasn't working on like inside road. It's like on the highway with cars going and I'm just crossing the highway and I was just get tired. You're getting to school at 6 a.m. You're already exhausted because you work for an hour. And all these thoughts of suicide was com were coming to me and I just felt exhausted. I was just exhausted. And one day I reached out to that pastor. I was like, do you think God can be mad at a person? He was like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, you just get mad at a person. He's like, you see what, you know what? I'm gonna make you go through hell. He's like, nah, that, that's not like God. And then he gave me his Skype. And then we spoke on Skype. He was like, what's going on? I was like, no, I just feel like God hates me because when I was a child, I didn't want to have to deal with him because of everything he made me go through. Uh, I just don't like him. And I just feel like he just hates me for that. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, you know what? You know what he did? He brought the gospel to my level. He was like, oh, you know what? God is actually hitting on you. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh yeah, I think he likes you. And he's hitting on you. I think he want to go out with you. And I was thinking so low at that moment. <laughs> Let me just say it. My way of thinking were not Christ-like. Mm -hmm. I was like, so the God of the universe want to date me. I was like, okay, so what should I do to let him know that, okay, I'm also interested? <laughs> That's literally the word that I used with him. I was like, what should I do to let him know that I'm interested? Like, How, how are we going from here that, yeah. to let him know? He's like, oh, that's simple. You said that when you were growing up, you used to have a friend. Just talk to that friend. I was like, but I rejected him. I can't even see him. I don't even know how he looks like now. He's like, oh, no. You know what? Just lift up your hand and say, I'm sorry. Say, Holy Spirit. And then he made me repeat this prayer. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I want you to come back in my life. I did that small prayer. And I, I felt like, you see when it's super hot? It's extremely hot in the summer and you drink something cold. You, you know that feeling of like being mm. refreshed? Mm -hmm. I just felt like my whole body got refreshed at that moment. Wow. And we were talking on Skype and I was living in a house with Muslim. And I just went on the floor and I had tears coming, uh, coming down on my eyes. And then I woke up, I was like, okay, this is what I experienced. He was like, that's it? I was like, that's it? So am I now dating God? Like... Uh, are we are we an item? He's like, yeah, that's it, that's it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So in my mind, because I was thinking solo, I'm like, okay, now I'm God's girlfriend. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it, that's the thing. And probably three days after, I heard the audible voice of God for the first time after a long time. 
And that was God the Father. He said, go on your knees. And I was on my bed, I'm like, huh? And he said, go on your knees. I'm like, for what? And he said, go on your knees and pray. I was like, pray for what? Like, just go on your knees. See, as believer, we are used to praying when we need something. Right. I need something from God, I'm going on my knees. I'm expecting something, I'm going on my knees. I'm not gonna go and pray just because I wanna fellowship with God. And I was like, I don't have anything to ask for. He's like, still go on your knees. So I refused. I was like, nope, I'm not gonna go on my knees. I went in the kitchen, I went downstairs in the kitchen and I heard again, the voice of God came to me and he said, Ines, go on your knees. I was like, I'm not gonna go on my knees because I don't have anything to ask you. Hmm. That's where we're gonna stop. So I went back to my bedroom, because uh, I was renting a bedroom in a Muslim house. I went back to my bedroom and lay on my bed and I felt like a hand touched my forehead. And with all the rudeness, all the rudeness, I stood from my bed and I was like, okay, fine, I'm gonna go on my knees, I'm gonna go on my knees. You want me to go on my knees, I'm gonna go on my knees. I don't even know why you want me to pray because I don't have anything to ask you. I went on my knees and I put on some music. I remember the song is, You Are The Most High. Uh, and I put Thai Tibet uh, version. And I'm, I was so rude. I'm like, you are the most high God. And suddenly the scenery changed. My door was closed. This being walked in my room. And when he walked in my room, I forgot about the song. I forgot about my rudeness. I forgot about not having a prayer topic. I forgot about everything about me. All I knew is that I was not worthy of that person. I mean, I was on my knees, but I felt like even my knees were not worthy of him. And I just laid face down and I started hearing, not worthy, not worthy. Like literally, my life was just passing before me every single thing I did from the moment I became conscious of my scene or whatever to where I was standing, it's like I kept hearing, not worthy. All my actions were screaming against me. All my thoughts were screaming against me, like not worthy, she's not worthy, she's not worthy. I was condemned by myself from mm. left and right. Everything was, with, was testifying against me. And I'm standing there, I'm like, that's it, I'm not worthy. And I'm crying, I'm like, I'm sorry. And I started naming every time, every time something will come that disqualified me of his presence, of even of, of him being before me. And I'll hear not worthy. Like for instance, when I, they see the way I was behaving with men, I'll hear not worthy and I'll just cry. I'm like, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I just sold myself. I sold my body to men just because I was trying to fill a void. And every time, whatever action, whatever thing, whatever thought, even my thought was speaking. It's like everything around you condemn you. And I'm like crying there face down. And I'm like, I'm not worthy, God, I'm sorry. I'm, I was just asking forgiveness. And for the first time, I'll say that was the first time in my life, I heard the voice of Christ. I mm. told you guys about the voice of the Father before. I heard the voice of Christ. And he said, but I love him. That sentence literally like threw the whole 
condemnation situation that was going going on away. It's like everything. Every time they will say not worthy, the love of God will cover all of the stuff. Every time another condemnation will, co will come, it's like the canopy of the love of Christ will cover it and it will just get cleaner and cleaner. And my face was down, but somehow I was able to look at him hmm. and just gaze upon him. And I'm looking at him and I'm feeling uncomfortable. And I'm t literally telling him like I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. It's not that I'm not comfortable because he was not a carrier of peace. It's because I was carrying so much peace sin and condemnation inside of me yeah. that whatever sin, whatever condemnation that was in front of, uh, inside of me didn't have a place, didn't have a, a relationship with him. It didn't have a place there. And mm. God was like, yeah, this one is mine and I'm going to fight for her. And he would just repeat, but I love her. And I'm like, God, I did these things, you know, at this age, I did this. At this moment, I did this. He's like, still, I love you. And I'm like, no, you can't love me. Come on. Mm. You see, as human, we are used to be um, to be punished for what we do. So for us, punishment is just a normal thing. Like, yes, I did this. I'm going to get punished. I speed. I'm going to get a ticket. A child did this. The child will get spanked. But for Christ, he was like, still, I'm going to love you. You're imperfect, but you are the, right, the best position at the right position for you to be loved and restored by me. And I was crying. The more I was crying, the more he was just reminding me how he's going to love me. And that was making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Then I looked at his eyes. Okay. I looked at his eyes and I saw uh, fire in his eyes. But that fire was not just standing there. It's almost as if he was turning into liquid fire. Mm. And that liquid love, okay, that liquid fire was translating in me like love. It's almost as if like he was pouring out of his love and through his eyes, that thing was coming into me and whatever void that I was trying to fill for years with men, with parties, with education, with whatever, that moment when his eyes were gazing upon me, those voids were being filled. And it's almost as if like he was just renewing me. It's like oh. the guy was just formatting everything, formatting everything in me. And it's only years later that I came upon this Bible verse. I'm actually going to read it for you guys. It's in the book of Revelation 19, 12. It says, his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. It's only years after that I came to discover that's actually who he is. If you have seen Christ's eyes, then you have encountered that fire. And for me, the way that fire was translated, it was translated into liquid love. And the Lord just started filling me, filling that void, feeling, just dealing with all the things, all the lies, all the judgments, all the self-judgment, all the self, all the self, uh, self lies that I was feeding myself with. He started filling him with his truth that you are adopted, you are loved, you are beautiful, you are complete in me, and all this kind of stuff. And I think it happened from 7 p.m. to probably 11 something. But somewhere there, something happened. My mom called me. I don't remember what time she called me because I wasn't looking at the time. Anyway, I was not even aware of time at that moment. I know at what time I got, um, at what time I went on my knee at 7 p.m. because I was using my phone to put the music. Whatever happened, however the time went by, I don't remember. 
But somewhere around there, my mom called me from Africa and she was on the phone and I'm like, Mom, there is a man in my room, Mom. He's not condemning me, Mom. He's loving me and it's, it's making me uncomfortable. I don't like it. And my mom was like, hallelujah, hallelujah. You, you. I mean, those that grew up with like mothers like mine, she's like, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm like, Mom, you don't understand. This man is standing in my room. He's not condemning me. He's loving me and I don't like it. It's making me uncomfortable. And she kept saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. And until she hung up the phone. So I stayed in that encounter. And whenever I came back to myself, it was probably 11 p.m. or something like that. I came back to myself and I'm like, so I texted my spiritual father now. Uh, I texted him and I'm like, this is what I just, I just encountered and stuff. And I went to bed the next morning. Uh, my mom called me. And I'm like, oh, come on, girl. I was telling you this man was in my room and I was telling you the story and stuff. And you kept saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, like, come on. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yes, I was telling you. She said, no, Ines, the whole time I had you on the phone, you were speaking in tongues. And I'm like, excuse me? She said, yes, the whole time you were speaking in tongues, that's how I realized that you were being baptized in the spirit. Wow. I'm like, no. There is no way I was speaking in tongues. I was telling you, there is a man in my room and the man is loving me and I'm not liking it. It's, it's making me uncomfortable. She said, no, I called you. You were speaking in tongues. You were speaking in tongues and you were speaking in tongues. You didn't speak any known language. Yeah. And on that day, that's when I realized that when you have an encounter with God, when you live in intimacy with God, it's really you and him. Yeah. Everything else around you fades. Everything else around you doesn't make sense. And what God want to have with you in your moment of privacy with him, unless it makes it known to other people, it's just going to be something for you and him. That's your moment with him. That's mm. your moment with the Lord. And that's the moment I've been having since I was a kid. But because I didn't have the knowledge and the understanding, I'll just go around and tell people this is what's happening. That's why they, it was foreign language to them because that was my intimacy with the Lord. That was my moment with God. But I didn't know better. I mean, now I know, but back then I didn't know. I just thought to myself, when he shares something with me, let me grab a mic and a speaker. Everybody has to know about that. But that was just my moment. What if God was just looking for a best friend? Yeah. What if God was just looking for a lover with who they can talk? What if God was just looking for a friend like Abraham with who they can discuss? Like, do you think it's a good idea for me to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? What do you think? Hey, we are best buddy. What do you think? Whatever wow. you say, I'm going to go by that. At that moment, at that time or before that time, I didn't know that. For me, it's like when God speaks, everybody has to know about that. But no, there's stuff that are just good for your intimacy. Mm. That stuff that are just good for your bedroom with God. Let me use use that language. Those that are married will know what I say. Yeah. What I mean. That stuff that are just good for you and your best friend and not the the rest of the universe. And that was how the story happened. And I went and that was in 2011. And from 2011, I was like, I'm going to get myself right with God. And I remember the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit became vivid for me. I started learning whatever information I'll get about the Holy Spirit. I want to know that friend better. That's why I told you when you asked me, who was that friend? Was it an angel? Was it Christ? I told you, I think it was the Holy Spirit. That was really him for, for me. Mm. It's really the person that taught me ministry. 
Yes, I've had a lot of uh, people that helped me in my Christian life, but I can boldly say that the basic or the basis of what I know came from him. Probably a week or so into my salvation, one day he taught me, now I'm gonna teach you how to write a sermon. And I was like, what do you mean you're gonna teach me about how to write a sermon? It's like, yeah, you have to know how to write a sermon. And he said, for the next eight days, ask your spiritual father to send you random Bible verse. Okay, let me open this bracket. The only verse I knew was John 3:16. For God so loved the world. And now I'm being sent into this mission where I have to write sermons. And he said, uh, for the next eight days, ask your spiritual father to start sending you Bible verse every morning, random Bible verse the, uh, in, in the Bible. And I'm gonna teach you how to dissect them and prepare a sermon for eight days. Every single day, he would teach me a different ways, a different way of writing a sermon. He's like, if you want your sermon to sound like this and bring this result, build it this way. If you want it to bring this result, build it this way. If you want to do this, if you're in front of this kind of audience. And he gave me eight different ways of writing, writing sermons. Mind you, I'm what, seven days restored or something. Yeah. I remember I'll send a text to uh, my spiritual father and he'll be like, did you write this? I'm like, yeah, you, you tell me, write this, break it down this way. And I'll break it down. It's like, okay, add this story. Don't add this story on this one. And all this kind of stuff He's like, wow. I know a lot of people that are way uh, advanced in age in their Christian walk. Mind you, now I, I used to tell you guys about spirituality. Now we are in Christianity. And I, uh, that can't even put a sermon like that this is really proof that God is doing something in you. Wow. And I went from there a year after I hear the voice of God come to me and I hear the word Haiti. I'm like, Haiti? So I go on Google because Google, I mean, Google has everything. And then there is YouTube and I find this video of Haiti. It was right around when they had the earthquake and I hear the Lord says no more. No more, no more, something like no more. And then he told me, prepare yourself, you are going to Haiti. I'm like, I'm going where? Going to Haiti, how? He's like, you are gonna go to Haiti. Few days after I get this message, this uh, message on Facebook, a pastor who I don't know, who I've never met, who we don't even have common friend on social media, reached out to me, he's like, God told me to invite you to Haiti. You have something to do in this land. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna come. But I told God, I was like, if you really want me to come, to go to Haiti, then you have to get me the approval of my parents. I called my mom and I'm like, I'm going to Haiti. She's like, to do what? I was like, God want me to go to Haiti. I'm gonna go and preach. She was like, well, but you know, you know, you know what they say, you know, you know how spirituality is there. I was like, I have to go. I have to go. God told me to go. And you know the boldness of when you just got restored, like the zeal is like a thousand million, it's going a thousand million miles per hour. I'm like, I have to go. And he said, she said, well, if that's what he told you, I was like, I'll know that you guys want me to go if you guys send me a Bible that is sent by you. So they send me a Bible and they send the Bible. And I was like, okay, God, this is a confirmation I was waiting for. I packed myself, I was 23. I packed myself, took all my stuff, traveled to Haiti. 
Haiti is a beautiful place. I mean, that's, that place really has my heart. And the first day was good. At night, I went to service. So I had, they really put me to work. It's like, I think I had two or three services per day. And I was only 23 with what's not even a track record of preaching before. That was probably the first place where I preached. Mm. As I, I really preached. So when we went for the night service, I entered into the sanctuary and I felt this demonic presence just radiating in the room. And I'm like, something's not okay here. And I look around, I see this little boy and he's staring at me. You know when somebody stares at you like, very insisting? And um, he's staring at me and I'm like, nope, this child is not himself in his head, like that something is not okay. So we had service and I went home. Whenever I go to Haiti, God speak to me differently and God move with me differently. Uh, one of the ways that God speaks to me is through the Bible. He'll ask me to open the Bible. Whatever page I fall on, that'll be the word of God for that day. So I open the Bible and I fall on this Bible verse uh, when the prophet was running away from Jezebel. And he said, oh, the prophet is running away and then some people will come and comfort the prophet. And I close my Bible, I'm like, nah, this is not the right word. And then I open again, I fall on the same thing. And I'm like, well, whatever. And I went to bed. I remember I was, I was sleeping, I was on the bed, the, the guest room in the pastor's house. I was in the bed watching Catherine Coleman and then we lost electricity. There was no more electricity. So I'm like, well, I'm still watching Catherine Coleman. So I'm gonna watch and then go to bed. And then my senses, open up. So I'm like, oh gosh, this is the wrong moment, come on. And then I see this gathering of people dressed up like in African tribal outfit and stuff. And they're chanting around fire and they have this doll with them and they are poking the doll. And I'm like, really guys? It's what, 11 p.m. and that's the moment you choose to give me like this kind of vision, really? Mm -hmm. And there's no electricity and it's, I'm not even in America, come on. Mm -hmm. And I'm there like faking, you know, you know when you fake it, like I'm trying not to freak out and I'm watching Catherine come at a point I changed and I put Benny in and the vision is just coming intense and intense. At that moment, electricity started coming on and off. On and off, I'm like, come on, God, come on. And the chanting started coming closer and closer. I'm like, Jesus, what's happening? And I tried to pray, but I was praying out of fear. You know, I don't know if it's for me, but I just feel like spiritually, whatever situation I'm going through, when I pray out of fear, whatever situation can sense that this is not out of faith, this person is freaked out. Mm. That's why they're just repeating this word. So I'm there like, the name of Jesus. But I was so freaked out. Then I started hearing a uh, dog. The dog were barking. The house didn't have any dog, but I'm hearing many dogs barking at the same time. We're going toward midnight and it's like they're all barking at the same time. I'm like, oh Jesus, what the heck is happening? Like, come on. And they're all barking at the same time and no electricity, my computer died. That was the, the last thing that I wanted. My computer died and I'm in the dark, no electricity. And I, I now hear, it's almost as if like the voices of the dog started translating themselves. And I'm hearing, who told you to come here? 
who gave you permission to step into this land. You have until this morning to leave Haiti. And I'm hearing that my first reflection, that was my flesh, that was not my spirit. My first reflection is like, yep, I'm calling my agent and I'm telling him to change my plane ticket. I'm leaving Haiti in the morning. Mm. Bye, I'm not coming back to this country. I'm calling my agent. He's like, okay, let me see what I can do if I can find you a ticket. And I'm staying there and they're like, the dogs are barking. And then suddenly, because every, every window were closed, suddenly there is like these, uh, we call them luciole in French. It's like those light bulb uh, bugs. Fireflies? Fire yeah, fireflies. Fireflies. Oh, fireflies. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I see those fireflies um, in my room. And they are coming in numbers. And I'm like, did I leave the window open? Like, I was confused what was happening. I, I didn't know. It was just, it wasn't foreign language because, hey, I come from the motherland. Like, I've seen a lot. So I'm like, what the heck is happening? And more and more fireflies are coming toward me. The dogs are barking and the vision is not stopping. And the whatever those spiritual people are like chanting in the spirit. And I'm freaked out. And I'm just screaming. I'm like, nope, I'm leaving this country. I'm not even waiting for tomorrow, tonight. Mm. They have to drop me at the airport. I'm leaving. I'm pissing out. And they're like, who gave you the permission to come? Like, who gave you authority over this land and all this stuff? So I put my little torch that I had, I put it on my face, and I walk out. I go by, uh, I, go, I go in front of the pastor's uh, bedroom. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't care if him and his wife are sleeping. I'm sleeping in the middle of them. <laughs> The missionary Dagaske. <laughs> I said I'm sleeping in the middle of them because man, I can't, I can't continue like this. So I go in the uh, in front of their bedroom and I knock. I'm like, Pastor, uh, the the noise is disturbing me. It's like, Oh, Sister Ines, it's just the dog. I'm like, Yes, I can't sleep with those with that thing. It's like annoying me and there's no electricity. It kept coming on and off. There's no electricity and plus there is like insect in my room. It's like, you'll be fine. You know what? If you want to go, they had like a room that was in between breaks. I think that was their safe room or something like that. He said, then move to that room if you want. So I moved to that room and I'm sitting there and the vision was so vivid. I mean, when I have this kind of vision, it's, it's, it's almost as if like it, you are standing in front of it. Because mm. your friend literally take you in that place. They can't see you, but you can see everything. So I'm like, God, 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 please. And then the pastor comes. He's like, are you still seeing those stuff? I'm like, yes. And then he's like laughing at me, laughing at me because actually he ended up adopting me as his daughter because I was about the same age as his daughters. And he's like, oh, it's just the dogs. You'll be fine. They always do that at night. I'm like, yes, but I can't sleep with that. Like you guys are used to it, but I'm not. So he prayed for me, and once he prayed for me, I went, I got myself ready to sleep. That's when I remembered the Bible verse that the prophet will get scared by the treatment, mm. and there's a group of people or whatever, a person that will come and comfort the prophet and stuff. Mm. I remember that Bible verse, I was like, God was trying to tell me that, but I was like, nah, this verse was not aligning with how things have to go according to me. So the next day, as if nothing happened, I went and preached. So as I was preaching, actually, the whole missionary trip was about faith. Mm. I was literally, the whole sermon, every sermon for the whole seven days were about faith. Somehow I lacked faith that night. So 
that uh, the, during the morning session, I started teaching them about faith and I was telling them how faith is the believer, all those stuff. And then I was like, yeah, like yesterday at night, because I wanted to be um, open with them. I was like, yeah, this is what happened and stuff. And this is how God dealt with it and stuff. At the end of the session, uh, one of the brothers there came to me. I was like, oh, Sister Ines, do you know, uh, with a beautiful accent, which I also have. <laughs> he came to me, I was like, no, you know, usually here in Haiti at night, uh, which doctors go about the land cursing the land. Hmm. They'll they say, let's say, for instance, from this time to this time, whoever will walk through this world, this is how uh, things will impact his life. This is what will change on his life and all those kind of things. And when they came, and he literally told me that when they came in front of the house where you were staying, they couldn't cross on the other side. Hmm. I was like, why? He said, because you guys came a lot. I went there by myself, at hmm. least in the physical. I was like, what do you mean we came a lot? He said, yeah, it was a lot of you guys and they couldn't do their job. So they had to find out who came with all those people. That's how they found out it was you. Wow. And they started threatening you. And I was like, oh, oh, wow. And this makes sense. And I'm going to open this bracket to tell people, even when you think that you're by yourself, you have a whole army with you Come on. that are fighting with you, the invisible battles that you don't even know. I was there being scared for my life. I didn't know that outside there was a whole army guarding. Like the Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamped. Mm. That angel is not by himself. He has a whole battalion of people, like a whole peloton of, of angels yeah. that are there just assigned for you. And that was the only time I was treated in Haiti. The only time I, I had the opportunity to go back a few more times. And on my last trip to Haiti, uh, that was probably one of my best trips to Haiti because of the number of miracles, signs and wonders that I saw there. That was for me a sign that that land somehow, some way will encounter revival. Mm. And I... When on that trip, I remember one day the Lord told me, one of the day when, when I was there, the Lord said, ask them to take you to a hospital. I was like, to the hospital for what? He's like, ask them to take you there. You, I want you to practice praying for the sick. Mm. So I asked them, I was like, can you guys take me to the hospital? They're like, sure. So they took me to a hospital at one of the renowned um, hospitals there, one of the renowned church, it's a Baptist church. And I went there and... There were just people there. Some were coming right out, uh, out of coma, others were paralyzed, others had fever, others had malaria or whatever other kind of sickness. And I asked the nurse, it's like they are pretty open compared to here. Yeah. And I was like, can I pray for them? They're like, yeah, just pray for them. And people are very open to prayer. And I started going bed after bed, praying for people. I'll pray for this person. What's your problem? I have, I have malaria. My fever is not going down. I'll pray. And then the good thing is that the doctors were, the, the nurses were there. They were able to check. So they are, I'm praying. Those that had headache were healed. And then those that were paralyzed were able to move their body. Then I stumbled on a blind person's bed. And they're like, yes, this person is blind and paralyzed. So... He can see you, he can talk. 
And I'm like, okay, let's pray for him. I'm going to pray for him and he's going to see. So I actually have a picture with that person. Wow. And I pray for that person. I'm like, God, I'll just pray for his vision to be restored at 100%. So first prayer is like, um, I see like shadows. I'm like, oh, it's working. Let's do mm. it again. And something with prayer or even with praying for the sick, it's like that persistence to know that God is going to do it. Yeah. Whether he, do, he does it 100% instantly or gradually, he's still going to do it. So I'm praying for him and he's like, oh, I can see. I'm like, can you see? Can you see me? Yeah, I can see you. And there is, I had two, two of my friends there, they're from America. I can see them too. And then we are rejoicing. And it's only after that the, we were told that the guy was paralyzed. Mm. He didn't move his body. Something happened to him. I don't know what condition that left him like just laying there on the bed, not moving. The guy sat on the bed and was able to see. We were just rejoicing and then we took our tap tap. It's like a bus there. It's like, it's literally like a bus. We took our tap tap and then I hear God say, ask them to take you to a witch doctor. I'm like, oh, come on. He's like, yeah, ask them to take you to a witch doctor. So I'm like embarrassed in the, uh, in the back of the bus and I'm like, yeah, can you guys take me to a witch doctor? <laughs> oh, actually, it, first it was the, the river. Take me to the river. So they took us to the river first and we pray for the women that were there and the children. Some got healed from back issues and stuff. Yeah, we give glory to God. And there, I hear God say, now ask them to take you to a witch doctor. I'm like, come on. From the hospital to the river, now we're going to the witch doctor. He's like, yeah, ask them. So I was embarrassed because I'm like, what are they going to think of me? Like she's been doing this thing. So mm -hmm. I turned to my friend and I'm like, can you take me to a witch doctor? He's like, sister Ines, for what? I'm like, yeah, I just have to see a witch doctor. And he was like, oh, that's good. You know what? The area we are in, it's known as the mall of witch doctors because there are plenty of them. That This mm. is where they they work. It's literally their uh, headquarters. Uh, head okay. So I was like, okay. Uh, he said, instead of us going to a witch doctor, let's go to my house and then I'm going to call one, one witch doctor that usually, uh, that, that we know that will come here. So I was like, okay. So in my mind, I'm like, it's about to go down. It's like power, power against power. It's going to be like you see in the mangas, movies and stuff, cartoon and stuff. It's like Dragon Ball Z things that is about to go down here. <laughs> and I'm like picture, picturing the whole thing in my mind like, oh my God, I'm going to do this and then he's going to do this and then I have to do that. And I'm standing there in the balcony waiting for the witch doctor and he's like, oh, the witch doctor is coming. And I can see him like, come down the cliff and going, coming toward us. And I start running toward the stair because I wanted to get on the battlefield before him so I can prepare my arm, uh, my weapons and stuff. And as I'm going down, I just felt like liquid love dropped over me. And whatever mood I was going for, God just hijacked that. Oh. And I got before, literally run to him and hugged him. The second I hugged him, it's almost as if like I just stripped him off of everything that he came with. He just stood there looking at me, smiling like, excuse the language, like a dumb person. He was just like <laughs> smiling. And I'm just excited there. I'm like, oh my God, I've been waiting for you. I've heard so much about you. I didn't even hear about him, but I, I just felt like I knew him. I'm like, I've heard so much about him. And I just started going full word of knowledge of, uh, over him telling him his dreams, telling him the things that he's been seeing. And he's there, like, just laughing, smiling, standing there, 
couldn't do anything. Mm. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you had a dream. In that dream, angels came to you and told you, this is not what you're supposed to do. You have to change. And he's like, yeah, how do you know? I was like, yeah, because God sent me to you. God loves you. God knows you. And he's standing there. And one of the first moves he did was go toward the trash area. And then he had things in his hand and he threw in that trash and then came back to me to continue the conversation because I tend to get very excited when I talk about God. Mm. So I'm like, yeah, God told me that you're going to get saved and you and me are going to go all around this town and then we'll start praying for the witches. He's like, yeah, but it's complicated because of the covenant. I'm like, don't worry about that. The next time you see me here in Haiti, you will be saved and we'll go around the town. Wait, why did he say it was complicated? Because of the what? The covenant oh. that, uh, in which he was. And I'm like, don't worry, whenever I come back to Haiti, maybe that's why I haven't been back to Haiti. Whenever I come back to Haiti, you and me are going to go around the city praying for all the witches. He's like, oh, I'd love to do that. And then I just went on sharing all these dreams and stuff. And then the Lord started giving me a word of knowledge about how he does sacrifice and stuff. I said, yeah, you go to the cemetery. This is what you do in the cemetery and stuff. The last time you tried to go there, you know what, uh, something happened. Fire came uh, Fire came and struck you. He was like, oh yeah, how do you know? I was like, God showed me that. Fire came and struck you and you heard a voice that told you this is not what you are supposed to do. Mm. This is not where you are supposed to be. This is not what you are called for. He's like, yes, I understand that. And then I was like, you know what? Take me to other witch doctors. I was just so excited. I don't know if it was the liquid love situation that was going on there, but I was just so drunk in love with the fact that God was encountering one of his children. A lesson that I learned that day when I was asking God, like, why didn't you let me go full power with this person, exchange of power? He told me, he said, Ines, power the enemy can mimic, but love, that's something he can mimic mm. because that's foreign language to him. He can mimic almost everything he can put his finger on, but he can mimic loving a person. He can pretend that against his nature, his nature. At that moment, I knew that one of the strengths, if not the strength of doing ministry with God, the strength of even doing deliverance, the strength of just being a child of God, is found in your revelation of the love of Christ. Mm. The love of Christ for you, the love of Christ for the person standing before you, regardless of how they are spiritually knowing that God is ready to come after them at all costs yeah. and to just change the narrative of their life, that's worth, that's worth everything. Mm. So that's my story. Ines, how has Jesus impacted your life? He has proven me on numerous occasions that he is my life. Mm. Like a part of him, I don't have life. Every single time that I try to walk away from him, even backslide, I just feel like the essence of who I am is taken away. And this is a side note, but I've had death encounters so many times. God bless my family for the number of times they had to bring me back to life because of a poor decision that I may have made or because of what spiritual attacks I'm going, uh, I may have gone through. But even in those moments, Christ still showed himself as my life, like telling me, Ines, once you gave your life to me, now I live through you. 
it's not just about you. It's not just you. Every single decision you take, every single choice you make, every single one of your movement lives in sync with who I am. Mm. So knowing that it's make me realize how much God or even Christ has impacted my life. Mm. It's like now I have to think through because I know that it's not just Ines and, uh, and her encounters, no. It's Ines, Jesus, Ines and Jesus. Like forget about the encounters. Let's put the encounters on the side. These are great things and I always look forward to them. Let's put all of those stuff on the side. And if today I didn't even have those encounters anymore, what I would forever cherish is the fact of living in intimacy with the person of Christ wow. through yeah. the Holy Spirit, knowing that he'll come to me and crack a joke, not because there is anything deep in that joke, but just because he enjoys fellowshipping with him, mm. with me, knowing that I can turn to, to him and say, God, what do you think of that situation? How should I tackle that? It's like making Christ real in your life. Mm. That's, I think, is the impact that Jesus has left in me. Like, I'm not just a distant God. I'm not just that person that history says that died on the, on the cross, but I'm actually real and mm. I'm alive and I'll live through you. I will live with you. That's the impact he left in my life. For people who are watching um, and listening to your testimony right now, uh, what are some last words that you can say to whoever is watching? Uh, what am I going to say to them, Holy Spirit? I think I'm going to tell them this. You can never be too far for God to run after you. You can never be too lost for God to find you. Guys, remember the story of the prodigal son? The day he decided to go back was not the day the father wanted him back. Hmm. In fact, whenever I started walking toward him, God, uh, the father was already running toward him. And I want you to know, you who is watching right now, I want you to know that in the situation that you are going through, God is running toward you. Because he knows that the outcome of who you are supposed to be is not who you are right now. And there is more in you than what the, the word is trying to, to tell you. There is more, more in you than what your self-judgment is trying to put into your brain. And I also want to tell those that feel like that they are saved enough to renew their relationship with God, never get used to the person of Christ. Mm. You'll be shocked at the different facet of who he is that is revealed to you each and every day. Don't just be content telling yourself that I've grew up a Christian, I've grew up a religious person, I've grew up in a PK or whatever. Tell yourself every morning when you wake up, God, what do you want me to know about you today? Mm. How do you want me to move in our relationship today in this season? How do you want it to do? And since I went through that situation, I also want to tell those that are going through depression and have um, a thought of suicide, I want to tell you guys this. All those things are real, yes, but they are thoughts that comes from the enemy because he's afraid of who you are in God. He's afraid of what God can do with you. Mm. And I want to tell you today, even when all hopes are lost, turn to God even for the last time, and just say, God, show me that you are real. 
show me that you are real. Whatever things that is about to break me down, God, just show me that you are real, God. Show me that I can trust you and see what God can do with you and see what God can do for you. That's the little that I can say.